ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, thanks for joining Western Contours as we bring you Elk Holland Academy's Feature Friday. This week, Michael talks about strategies for finding and hunting elk in new areas. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. My name is Michael Batiste. I'm from the Elk Calling Academy, and this is Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. If this is your first time joining us, the way Wapiti Wednesday Q&A works is we typically start with a subject. Um, tonight, we are going to talk about finding elk and hunting elk in a new area. So um, we're, we're going to cover kind of e-scouting, actually what to do when you get into that new area and how to hunt elk in that new area. Um, but at any time, it doesn't matter what platform you're joining us from, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, you have the ability to put your questions into the comment section of the live chat. We will go through and answer those to the best of our ability. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> also, if this is your first time or you're enjoying the content we're creating, make sure that you like, subscribe, or follow depending on the platform that you're on and make sure you turn on notifications so that way you're notified every time we go live. So, all right, so let's jump into it. Uh, Andrew Rada, good, what's up from Alberta, Canada? Our friends to the north are tuning in. Mike Strong, good evening. Looking forward to this topic. Uh, Bill, your topic or your question kind of ties in with what we're going to hit. So I'm going to answer those first two questions and then I'll circle around and make sure that I covered yours. So, okay. So the first question is from Joey Carraway. And Joey basically wants to know, what's your number one feature you look for when e-scouting a place you've never been before? So, I, I mean, I love benches. Benches are one things that I constantly look for. And those of you that are 
part of the elkcallingacademy.com page, part of that Patreon page, you guys have seen the number one tool that I use and how easy it is to find benches, especially benches on north and northeastern facing slopes. Very, very easy with that tool um, because that tool, basically because of color shading, I mean, it will show you exactly which way that that face that you're looking at, whether it's north or south or east or west or northeast or northwest or whatever. And then you have the ability to find benches on there also. Now, kind of, it's, it's my kind of order that I go is I look for north and northeastern facing slopes first. That's obviously bedding area. Then as soon as I found a, find a northeastern facing slope that's timbered, then I'm going to start looking for benches on that. Then I'm also going to look for water. And then I'm going to look for southern facing slopes and possible feed areas. So, But the first thing I always look for is those northeastern facing slopes first. And then immediately from there, benches. I want to find benches. I just... I've had great luck on benches. It doesn't matter whether it's Oregon, Washington, Montana, Colorado, any state. I've always had really, really good luck on benches. I just really enjoy hunting those. So if I had to say my number one feature would be the benches. So now part two of that question is from Bri Bride Dizzle. So if you are hunting the rut with a rifle live out of state and can't put boots on the ground before season, would you suggest more of a spot and stock approach for the first couple of days due to wicked country or start walking the steep drainages? So, okay, obviously the first thing I'm going to do is obviously I'm going to look at that area on the map. I'm going to do some e-scouting and narrow it down to areas I want to hunt. Now, without the ability to scout, that's where your time on the e-scouting is really, really critical. And that's also where once I have that area located on the map, that's really where I'm going to get on the phone with the wildlife biologist for that state, for that area and get more information. Now, after talking to the biologist, if I've determined that is an area I really want to go into and hunt, generally what I am going to do is I am going to start low work high, but I'm looking for a few things. I'm looking for fresh sign, fresh tracks, fresh rubs. I'm looking for sign that there are elk in that area. Now, obviously I'm doing some location bugles as I'm moving through this area to try to locate and see if I can get a bull to crack off. From that point, as I'm gaining elevation, I want to find a spot on elevation that after I've moved up that face, after I've moved through those areas, I want to get up top and I now I'm going to get my binoculars out. I'm going to let the glass do the work for me because you can get on a higher vantage point and you can cover a much larger area with glass and just glassing areas, doing grids, picking areas apart to locate animals. Once you're up there, you know, so maybe it takes you half a day. You don't get up there until midday, but you have a few advantages up high like that. You can hear a lot better. You can see because of the glassing. So between your eyes and your ears, you're covering a lot of country. Now, obviously, if I hear a bull crack off, I'm hunting. So I'm going to get after that. I mean, 
if they're going to acknowledge me and let me know where they're at. And while I'm up there glassing, I will throw out some occasional location bugles just to kind of see what I can hear back. But I'm not going to get real crazy because um, I think you went on to say something about wolves in this comment. So looking for sign and low sound calling due to wolves. Okay, so yeah, there is wolf in there. So I'm not going to do a ton of calling up high. Um, I'm basically, especially if you're in wolf country, I'm going to sit up there in, in, in glass and listen. It's probably going to be harder to listen because they're going to be in darker timber. So that's where the glassing is really, really critical. Use your eyes to pick apart. Now, you may have to sit in that one area until it starts getting dark and animals really start to move. But the advantage of that is since you're elevated, you, hacking, you can see a lot and you can all of a sudden see elk move out of groups of trees to feed. And then now all of a sudden, your next morning, you know where those elk are feeding. You know where to go. So do you kind of sacrifice a day? It's not really sacrificing the day because you're actually gathering information as you're hiking up that face. Now, obviously, if you're hiking up that face and you run into fresh sign, there's fresh tracks, fresh poo, fresh pee, you can smell them. Abandon going to the top and get on those tracks and start following. Where are they going? Where are they headed to? Use that information. You know there's animals there and those are animals on your side of the drainage, your side of the mountain. So, um, JJ Keys, when in the season are you doing location bugles? Uh, location bugles all throughout the year. Uh, I, I mean, a location bugle is a bugle that bulls will do all year round. It has nothing to do with the rut. It's, it's basically, it's, it's just their way to locate each other. It's just like shouting, hey, out to your friend or your family or, or whatever. So there's nothing threatening about it. So location bugles can be done all throughout the year, any time of day. So, okay. Um, so thank you, sir. Great content and advice as always. Okay, so bye-bye, good. So now let me jump back over here because... Okay, Bill, when looking at a unit map slash topo map, other than public land, what do you look for to try and narrow down some areas to hunt? If you can't scout boots on the ground, thanks, great video. So, Bill, hopefully that kind of gave you some information of, uh, you know, what I look for. Um, you know, honestly, you know, there here's people here saying scout, 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 and scouts more. There are some people that just don't have the ability to go scout. They can't. It's it's financially they're not close to it. They they just can't do it. So that's where your time on the computer of e-scouting, your time on the phone with biologist is key. So you can do a lot of work ahead of time before you actually get boots on the ground. Once you finally get boots on the ground, whether it is an actual scouting trip or you're actually going out hunting, that those boots on the ground will be way more efficient if you do your homework first. So, uh, Danny, missed you at Elk Calling Championships. I know, I missed you guys. I was bummed I couldn't make it. So, a um, lot of changes coming up. A lot, a lot of changes coming up. So, uh, Michael Meyer, good, good evening from Coeur d'Alene. Chris Siemens, hope all is well. Yes, 
Hope all is well with you too. So just Samson, north facing. Yes, what I'm talking about north and north facing. So you have a mountain. You have parts of that mountain that the face of it is facing to the north, parts of it that's facing to the south, part to the east, part to the west, part to the northeast, part to the northwest. So you want to find those faces of the mountain that are pointing towards the north and the northeastern facing. Because where we are in the north and, and where the sun is on the equator, the north and the northeastern facing slopes are going to be shaded. That is where the elk are going to be betting on because those north and northeastern facing slopes are typically 10 to 15 degrees cooler than your west and your south facing slopes. So, uh, to do to do. Western Contours, I went for a long distance turnaround scout, but my focus was old rut sign and getting the lay of the land in my area of interest and not so much for locating elk, right, wrong, or otherwise. No, guy, that's perfect. So um, what I was talking about more here was this was an individual that didn't have time to scout. So really the first time they were stepping boots into this area is when they were actually hunting. So um but yeah, if it's an actual scouting trip, yeah, you're going to look for that old rutting sign. And I am putting together that video for uh, the outcallingacademy.com members um, where I went out and set cameras this weekend. And I took a bunch of pictures of old rubs and old wallows. And I'm going to kind of explain what I look for on those to kind of tell how old those rubs are, if they were last year's or you know maybe a couple of years old um same thing with the wallow is it an abandoned wallow has it been active in the last little bit so that kind of stuff so uh best advice for being in a new area for scouting boots on the ground so big skinny um when you're in a new area uh if you are scouting you're gonna look for that old running sign that we were just talking about the old rubs and the old wallows but also, too, don't be afraid to get up early in the morning and get on a high point to where you can glass and see a lot of areas. Same thing with the last little bit of day, because what's going to happen is you will see animals that are coming out. And, and this is also effective, too, that, you know, first part of the season, um, you know, spending a little bit of time behind the glass too is beneficial also because you will find animals coming out of pockets of trees and sometimes they'll come out of pockets that you never even thought of. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, I never thought of looking there or, hmm, that's interesting. I kind of want to go check that out. You know, why are they in there? You may go in there and there may be a little depression swell that's grassy and marshy and cool and it's amazing what you can find in those little, little tiny hidden gems. So always good to listen to other elk hunters and their experiences, advices. Oh, constantly. I will sit around and talk with elk hunters all day long if I could. So uh, best of piece of advice for a brand new elk hunter with finding an area to hunt without being able to put boots on the ground. So Aaron, I, I'm actually going to be doing a quick little video on this tomorrow for Scree Gear that's going to go out in their email blast. But basically, you know, you have a lot of options depending on the state that you're going to. Um, some of the states on their fish and wildlife websites will have 
hunt statistics with number of people and and harvest ratio and all that so you can kind of start to narrow it down just by going through the information that's free on a lot of these websites um, you know, Idaho even takes it a step further. Not only does it tell you the number of hunters, it gives you how many harvested, it gives you the harvest percentage, and it will even break it down to tell you how many of those were antlerless, how many were antlered, and of those that were antlered, how many of those were a six point or larger. So you can get a lot of good information. There are paid services out there too. Go Hunt is a exceptional um, program for out-of-state hunters. That's exactly what Go Hunt was designed for, was for out-of-state hunters to help them drill down, help them narrow it down. And they have a lot of information that they've gathered on there. Not only the hunt statistics, but they also have the amount of public ground versus the amount of private ground. Because the last thing you want to do is do all this homework and then you get to the area and find out that the area you chose to hunt is 90% private ground. I mean, that will just ruin your day quicker than anything. So that's part of the homework that you want to do before. And yeah, go hunt is one that I highly recommend for that. So, um, to, 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 Great subject. We picked new area this year. Good. So, Brian, hopefully that can help you. Uh, Just Sampson, what are the questions you ask the biologist? So, I, I, I've gone over this in past videos, but basically, some of the questions that you want to ask, um, you know, what's the elk population like? What's the what's the health of the herd? Um, you know, what's the bull to cow ratio? Are there areas within the unit that you're finding larger elk numbers? Uh, what's the hunting pressure like? What's the access like? Um, is it road? Is it roadless? Is it trails? If there are trails, are they motorized? Are they ATV? Are they motorcycle? Are they horse and hiking only? Are they mountain bike? So, but the thing that I recommend is you get your list of questions before you pick up the phone. I mean, those biologists are extremely busy. And if you've taken the time to do your prep work before you call them and you have the list of questions, <clears throat> they're going to appreciate it a lot more and they're going to give you a lot more information. The last thing you want to do is call up a biologist and said, hey, I'm coming to Colorado. What can you tell me about Unit 406? Because basically they're going to go, what do you want to know? Is there a specific area? I mean, that's that's a large area. Narrow it down a little bit. Have some drainages. Have some creek names. Have some trailhead names. You know, ask specific questions and you will get a lot more information. Anthony J. Boy, do you call when scouting? No, not when I'm scouting. So, because honestly, when I'm scouting, I'm not too concerned with really locating animals at that time. I'm more looking for old rutting sign because those animals that you do see, and I've seen people every year, you will see people that will post pictures from their trail cam to social media and it's bull after bull after bull after bull. They have a bunch of bulls on the camera and they're like, oh my God, this season's going to be phenomenal. 
And then they wait until the third week of the season and they go in there and there's not a, hardly any elk. There's maybe one or two stragglers that are still there, but all these bulls that they had on camera are now all of a sudden gone. So, um, yes, finding animals during the summer and seeing animals during the summer is really cool. But I'm more interested in knowing where are they going to be in September? Where are they going to be when they're running? Not where are they right now? So, uh, to do to do. How's it looking for September for you coming up here calling? Oh, Jay, you must be talking to Danny. So, uh, bragging board, Danny, if I'm following thermals and they change when I'm almost to the elk, do I need to back out and run up or down and around the mountain? Or is it better to hold off until the wind is in my favor? Well, that's all part of when you're, what you're calculating. So, <clears throat> when, when I get a response from a bull, there's a lot of calculations that I'm doing. Where is he at? Is he stationary or is he mobile? How long is it going to take me to get over there? What time of morning is it? And what time is it going to be when I get over there? Because I want to know what the thermals are going to do. Now, most people, if the bull is up here and they're down here, most people will stay low and then they'll come try to come straight up on them. The only problem is, is you're going to get in that exact situation. You're getting close to the elk and all of a sudden thermals start changing. It only takes one little puff for your scent to blow up there. So if you're in this situation where he's up here and he's down, gain elevation first and kind of angle over. Because if you're over here to the side, it doesn't matter if thermals are blowing up or blowing down. He's not going to smell you. So that's why you always gain elevation off to the side, never directly below them. Or if it's evening time, never directly above them. Okay. You always want to keep the wind in your face, in your nose, to get onto his elevation. So, um, now, once in a while, you may get caught into situations with squirrely winds or this or that. Swirly winds, sometimes I will hold because that's the time of the morning that the, that the thermals can't really decide if they want to go uphill or downhill. Sometimes I will just back off or hold where I'm at for a little bit to let those stabilize and then finish moving the rest of the way in. But if you calculate everything early enough and quick enough that by the time you get over there and you know exactly what elevation you need to be at, <clears throat> your thermals will not be a factor and you will have much, much better time. So, uh <clears throat> Elk that leave in the steep country where benches are extremely rare, will they bed on the steep slopes or will they drop down elevation? Nope, they will not bed on creeks. You got to understand because what they're doing is they are going to bed down in an area where they ha have the wind blowing into their nose. So, yes, they are going to bed on those steep faces. Now, I can guarantee where you are going, there are benches there. There are flat spots there. They may not be very big, but they will be enough that elk will bed down. The other thing you need to also realize too is that when elk bed down, they do not bed down in this tight little group where they are touching each other and this and that. They're not that close knit. They are spread out a little bit. So you will be able to find areas where they bed down on there. So, okay. Uh, 
ID Bowhunter, what is the most frustrating thing do you run into every year? Um, <clears throat> I don't really know. I mean, I don't get frustrated too often. Um, more so, it's it's I'll get frustrated with trying to rush the situation. You know, sometimes not being patient enough because there's there's a time to be aggressive and there's a time to be passive. And um, but the frustrating part, I, I mean, you'll hear people, you know, frustrated about all oh, the number of people and this. It's public land. I, I mean, it's something you just have to deal with. It's all part of the experience. And and I think the reason we really don't get frustrated too much is because we don't just focus on killing. We don't just focus on putting elk on the ground and punching tags. I mean, we are enjoying the whole experience. I mean, it's time with friends on the mountainside just being idiots and, and having fun. So, um, okay. Let's see. Two, 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 two. I've only taken four bulls, so I'm still learning. Uh, Samson and... Always learning. So, uh, if it's in wolf ingested area, we seen elk soon as they saw us. They ran. Well, I, I mean, it's not just in 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 wolf area. I mean, if elk see you, they're they're gonna run. So, um, okay, let me jump over to. Facebook here. So, all right. Uh, Tim, strategies for cow and spikes. The units I'm hunting is all cow and spike. Also, it will be early as our season shuts down and then muzzleloader doesn't open up until October 5th. Uh, Washington deliberate, deliberately takes away the prime rut in this state. So for cows and spikes, um, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where easiest thing to do is just get into an area where you find fresh sign, sit down and just start doing two or three soft cow calls, wait four or five minutes, do two or three soft cow calls again, and repeat that and stay in that area for about an hour. So nothing comes up, get up and move. Now you have fresh sign right there. You can follow that fresh sign, go away, set up and do it again. But just those soft two or three cow calls every four to five minutes, You'll be amazed what'll happen. We've called in a lot of elk during midday doing that. And, and a lot of times it is cows and spikes and younger bulls just because they're kind of curious. So, all right. Um, Mr. Huntsman, I'll be in Boise next week if you want to grab lunch or drive around town and bugle at pedestrians. I like it. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, Jim, just get a hold of me when you're here. We'll uh, see what happens and definitely find some time to meet up. So, uh, Danny's responding there. Uh, Alex, when looking for new areas on maps, which is better, Onyx or Go Hunt? Is there any other apps that uh, you would suggest? So there's a big difference between Onyx and Go Hunt. Um, you know, I scout quite a bit on the computer, you know, using Onyx, but Go Hunt is going to kind of drill down and give you a lot more information. So if I was just to pick one to narrow down the area, I would say go hunt. Because once you have that area, then you can use Onyx as a tool 
to do scouting on the computer at home, drop pins, and then those pins will then transfer onto, you know, your phone on your um, offline maps. So uh, Levi Thomas, you mentioned having enough in your pack to spend the night on the mountain if needed. What do you take along? Well, I mean, in my pack all the time is that winter's outfitter uh, hammock that I posted the other day. It was on sale and I always have enough food. Um, I always have a, um, water filter pump with me. I have been, you know, using the MSR, MSR trail shot. I actually just stumbled across a new company that I just picked theirs up and we kind of tested it last weekend a little bit. I want to test it a little bit more before I introduce it to you guys. Um, but I, I, I have that ability that if need be, um, you know, I can stay on the mountain and do a good extended morning hunt before I have to go back to camp and basically reload. I don't have enough stuff that I could stay a couple of days. Um, but if I get back in that area and I decide I want to stay a night and then the next morning, if I've kind of gathered enough information for that, then when I go back to camp, I'm going to grab enough provisions so that I can go up into that area and I can stay a couple of days. I can stay a couple of nights. So, um, but pretty much Levi, it's just a little bit of extra food. I always have that hammock for sleeping. Um, you know, I have a, uh, lightweight jacket that I can throw on to stay warm. So just, just something that if I do need to stay the night on the mountain, I can, and I do have always a, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of called a survival grenade. Uh, it's, it's a little grenade that has paracoil and, and, and a bunch of stuff in it. But one of the thing that's in there is a, uh, fire starter, a striker. And I carry a little bit of, um, ready light fire puffs. So if need be, I could, you know, start a fire. So, um, Okay. Uh, when scouting, how do you and your hunting partner go about that? Do you stick together or do you split up? I know you can cover more ground split up or maybe 50-50. Boys say hi. So I uh, tell them I said hello. Um, so a lot of times we'll stick together when we're actually, you know, hiking and scouting, but we're not walking right next to each other. You know, we're you know, 25, 30 yards apart, we can see each other. It kind of changes the angle and the light. Um, and, and so, you know, we're kind of checking those things out. Um, now, if we're glassing, you know, a morning or an evening, a lot of times morning glassing sessions or evening sessions, we'll split up. We'll go to different elevations um, just because we may be across the canyon from each other. And I'm, I'm glassing the face underneath him and he's glassing that face underneath me. And then we get back to camp and it's like, hey, what did you see? And we can share that information. So uh, Shane, Google Earth. You know, Google Earth is an OK tool. Uh, there are some out there that are much, much better. I used to use Google Earth a bunch um, until I found these other apps and these other tools, um, you know, like Onyx. Um, I have definitely my favorite. So, um, okay, Scott said that Go Hunt has a 30-day free trial going on right now. So for those of you that are going out of state, um, now might be a good time to take advantage of that 30-day free trial. See what the tools are. 
see how useful it is. Um, <clears throat> if you are going to do free tutorials on things like that, they have training videos. I highly recommend watching those uh, just because you're going to learn so much more about that program. So, all right, Joshua, on a multi-pin bow site, is there a chart to go by for setting the pins once you get your top pin zeroed? Some do. Um, I know Trophy Ridge has the React 5 pin, which basically you set your 20, and then there's a screw on the bottom that adjusts the others that you kind of pick another yardage, 30 or 40, and use that screw to change the pin gap and basically, it's mathematically that once you do that, then basically, um, it's uh, you're 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 pretty much set. But no, the a lot of the others you have to individually move each of the pins. So Casey, uh, well, what's your favorite mapping app? Um, CalTopo is one that I use quite a bit. So, but sorry, my number one favorite. That's with the uh, Elk Calling Academy paid members. So you want that information? So uh, elkcallingacademy.com, there's an actual whole tutorial um, on that one. So to, to, to Sage Hunter, howdy from, howdy from DC. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, what about water running through a bench on the north facing slope? Well, I mean, you already found the bench. You're already on the north face. If there's water right there, uh, you, you pretty much know that's where they're getting their water during the day when they're bedding. And depending on that, you can find some marshy areas in there that I bet you will find um, wallows. So, Beating a dead horse over here. You can stay warm enough with just the hammock in your jacket. Yes. Um I mean, is it a wonderful, toasty night? Not always. So sometimes it does get pretty chilly. But also, too, you know, I'm going to account for that depending on the time of year that it is. So, you know, one of the other things that I always have in my pack is is uh, one of those small little emergency blankets. So I don't know about you guys, but have you ever used one of those small emergency blankets they fold them up to a deal about like this they're nice and light, lightweight the first time you take them out of the package and unfold them you can never get them back to that small so um but no if it gets really cold that emergency blanket will work really really well in that hammock to wrap up and stay plenty of warm throughout the night so uh, Outdoor Attic 95, I'm new to the Western hunt game and I'm looking to get into bow hunting for elk. I just moved out here and was wondering how you would go about it. It's just one of those things that just jump into it, you know, pick your budget that you have to spend and get set up with equipment and then just start shooting and then just start, I mean, studying. There's, you know, all kinds of videos on um, you know, elk and elk vocalizations. I mean, we have a bunch of videos on our YouTube channel. There are, uh, you know, courses. So, and it's just dive into it and, and just get going. Or 
when you go to your local archery shop, just start talking to some of the people there, become friends with them. And who knows, you might actually find a group that's looking for another hunting partner and then you can just get brought in right there. So, uh, Bri Bri Dizzle got to become a member. Great mapping video. So, uh, to do you night bugle? Yes, I have. I, I do. Night bugling is a huge tool that we use. So, uh, Eric Hernandez, when you find wallows, when is the peak time of season? Are they using them? Uh, you know, a lot of times, I mean, it really depends on the weather. Um, but, you know, wallows a lot of times can be used early in the season. But also, too, depending on the water, that wallow may be the only water source there. So then it's going to get used a lot more often. Um, but there's not really a definitive answer that says wallows are only going to be used this time to this time because, I mean, that varies from area to area. There's just no really set way. Um, if it is in something that, you know, you're going by quite a bit, you know, keep an eye on the tracks. So, and, and if you're going back to hunt an area year after year, you will kind of start to gather that information. That's where that journal that we've talked about really comes into handy. Um, same thing with, you know, on X where you drop a pin or if you use base map, whatever you drop a pin and add notes to it. So, all right. Another question from Facebook, Bill Berry. I would like to hear thoughts on good places to set up and hunt to catch elk moving through. I'm talking about taking a day off of pounding the mountain and letting my older bones heal for a day, uh, but staying in the game. No, Bill, I get it. Um, you know, it is really one of those things that, you know, you need a break sometimes, especially when you're just after it day after day, hard, 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 hard. You just need a break. What we'll do sometimes is, especially when we've been on long hunts with multiple days, we'll kind of have what's called a camp day where we actually sleep in. We don't go out on a morning hunt. Uh, we'll sleep in. That gives us a chance to kind of do some things around camp, gives us a chance to kind of you know, recharge the batteries a little bit. Uh, and then we basically go out on an evening hunt and... Um, you know, hit it then, but that's usually how we kind of recover. The problem with elk moving through in the travel corridors, that's typically in a morning time or in an evening time, or if you have an area that's easy to get to, that's a water source or a wallow during the midday, you could certainly just hang out in that area as well. But if I was really going to say, um, you know, just one area to hang out by, I, I, I would I would say, you know, find a water source nearby the bedding area and kind of set up there, making sure thermals are in your favor. So uh, what is a normal altitude elk will bed? Again, that varies from area to area and depends on topography. There's there's so many different variables. You know, that's why a lot of times when, you know, I've said it before, when you go into a new area and you're wondering, you start low on the mountain and you start working high. You start reading the signs, see where it's at. You will find old beds. You will find those kind of areas. Um, and that's just going to kind of tell you in that area where that is. But that's that's something that just varies so much from area to area. So 
Uh, have you had any luck with hunting edges of burns? Uh, would a spring 2019 burn be too early of a fire to hunt? So not necessarily. And yes, hunting edges of the burns can be very, very successful, but there's a lot of factors that need to consider. So it's not how recent the fire was, it's how hot the fire was. How much damage did the fire do? Did it just creep around the, you know, creep on the ground? Uh, did it do uh, torching and crowning? Did it take down trees? You know, did it burn in a mosaic pattern? Uh, was it just a wall of flame that cleared a swath? So those are all things that gonna have to, you know, kind of take into account. Um, but yeah, burns definitely are good places. Old burns are definitely good places to hunt. So, uh, Casey, how much effect will this wet year have on Colorado elk? How would you hunt a single heavily timbered 95,000 foot mountain? Well, so Casey, the thing you need to keep in, in mind is a wet year is sometimes a good thing. Because when you have a dry year, that food is concentrated, which means the elk are going to be concentrated. When you have a wet year, the elk are, the food is kind of dispersed more. There's more food out there. And so the elk are going to be dispersed more. Um, they may break off into smaller pockets. And the reason I say that could be a good thing is because if there is some pretty good amount of hunting pressure in that area everybody's going to go to those normal spots. Okay. This is where the feed always is. This is where the elk always are. Well, the elk know that too. Well, now that the feed is spread out, they're going to go into these little hidden areas that don't get a lot of traffic in. And you kind of maybe stumbling upon those may find these little hidden pockets. And again, that's why hunting the same area year after year and making notes about the area that okay, you may have a wet year one every four years or one every five years or whatever. Well, you know immediately on a wet year, hey, there's a place over here that has had good amount of feed on wet years that everybody just walks right by or nobody knows about. So you can get into those areas. You can get away from those people that are focusing on the normal feed areas during dry years. And you can have some great hunts to where you get into a lot of elk and don't have to worry about people crawling over the top of you. So, uh, to do, to do, how far will your scent travel? Who, uh, you know, again, a lot of variables. How heavy is the breeze? How thick is the wind? You, you, you know, I normally, um, you know, will say half a mile maybe a little bit more. Um, I just always, always, like I said, I've said it time and time again, keep that wind in your favor. It does happen. You do get caught, but I'm, I'm always the person too, that if I'm on the top of the ridge, I'm just going to assume that my nasty sense going all the way down onto the bottom. So in everything between me and that, is going to smell my nasty body that's been hiking around the woods for far too long. So, 
Uh, in country I hunt, night bugling seems difficult to imagine. Do headlamps affect efficiency, scare elk? What about calling from road or trail? Not a good idea during the daytime, I know. Well, no, night bugling, you're specifically calling from the road. Night bugling, you're in a truck. That's why we we base camp from a truck. At night, we'll get in that truck and we'll start driving roads and we might go 30, 40, 50 miles bugling. Um so yeah, you're definitely calling, you know, from the road. So we don't even have headlamps at, we just have, you know, places that, you know, Hey, let's just throw a bugle, bugle out here, see what's out there. Cause really that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to locate elk at night that are typically a little more vocal, especially early in the season so that you have a spot to go to the next morning. Or if it's a bright moon night or a full moon night, we're going to get up early in the morning and go. So that way, as soon as we do get a response, we're parking the truck, throwing the packs on, and we're starting to work that direction. So that way we're getting ourselves close enough to those elk that we heard that as soon as it gets light enough and legal shooting, we're within striking distance that we can quickly move in and set up. So, um, okay. We took our cameras up today and the bugs were worse than I've ever seen. How well does the thermocell work? You know, I haven't, I, I've used a thermocell during the spring in bear hunting. Um, I mean, same thing. Mosquitoes were really bad this weekend. We just sprayed with off. We sprayed mosquito repellent. Um, and honestly, during the season, I wouldn't be afraid to rub DEET on to keep mosquitoes away. I've also heard of people taking a dryer sheet, tying it to a belt loop to keep the mosquitoes away. Um, I, I, I'm not worried about that kind of stuff. Um, thermocells, you know, they may work okay, but just remember too, those are going to emit some sort of odor also. So, so what's the difference of using a thermocell or just getting some lotion that has DEET in it and rubbing that on your skin? Um, but again, you're really going to make sure that the wind is, is, uh, in your favor. So. Okay. Levi, you mentioned in previous Wapiti Wednesday that you keep enough gear. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing you are not necessarily bivy hunting. No, it's not necessarily bivy hunting. It's just I have enough stuff in my pack, Levi, that if I do get in a situation that I do, uh, you know, maybe there's some really good uh, bugling activity and I'm really on a good group of elk. Um, but it just got too dark before it could close it. And I've got a pretty good hike back to the truck. I may just decide, you know what, I'm just going to find a place to uh, crash here tonight. And that way I can just jump on them early in the morning. So, uh, Brandon Neely, I just signed up for the Patreon. Love what you're doing and always looking to learn more. Welcome. Welcome. We're glad to have you as part of the herd. So, oh guys, Hey, um, let me do this. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Yeah, you've been pretty active tonight. So, okay, I'm 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 doing something here. There is a method to my madness. So. Uh, we used Ultrathon. It doesn't stink too bad, but it's a rub-in type and was afraid of leaving too much scent on the cameras. 
you know, it's going to disperse after time. It's, it's, it's okay. You'll, you, you'll be okay with that. So, um, and, and actually when you're out hunting, I wouldn't be afraid to use the, uh, ultrathon. So, um, okay. Hold on guys. Jay Colley, money well spent on the Patreon. Strategy for pre-rut season. Um, Oleg, I, I breeding sequence. Um, I do the breeding sequence from day one all the way to the last day of the season. So um, basically, I mean, breeding sequence is you're telling a story that there's a bull with a hot cow. I mean, we're out there hunting elk during the rut, so why not give them the sounds and the vocalizations that they're looking for? So. Uh, just Samson, do you write out a hunt plan for each hunt? No, it's not a hunt plan. Basically what the journal is, is at the end of each day, I'm writing down what happened that day. Uh, <clears throat> you know, what the date is, what the temperature was, what activity I saw, what sounds I heard, what I found on the mountainside, just everything about all that. So that way I can go back and study that over and over and over again. So. Uh, Casey, have you ever used ozone on any form to help prevent odor? No, I haven't. So, um, you know what? Let's do this. Just Samson, you've been asking a lot of questions tonight. Send me an email at michael at elkcallingacademy.com and include your shipping address. Because Mark Mason over at Hot Sense is going to send you a little three pack. It's going to have um, two scent sticks, probably. Mark, send him the estrus and the bull. So you're going to have those two scent sticks, and then there's also a wind checker. So, but e send me that email, Michael at elkcallingacademy.com. Uh, give me your shipping info so that I can get that over to Mark and he will ship that out. Also, for those of you, I don't know if you guys saw it. Mark has extended um, that discount code off those deodorant looking attractant scents that we've talked about quite a bit. But he's he's offered um, to extend that discount code to this week also. So if you go over to hot sense and pick some up, make sure that you're putting in that ECA 710. So, uh, Mark, Mike, I stepped away, but what did you say? No, Mark, I just gave away that twin pack of the sense with the wind checker that we talked about today. So I just gave him my email info so he can, he can send his shipping info to me and then I'll get it over to you so you can send that out to him. So, uh, Brandon Nilly agreed. I watched every Wednesday, figured it was time to step it up a little bit. Uh, what's the best way to find benches on topo maps? So if you're looking at topo maps, you're going to see where it's going up the face where grid lines are close, 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 close. Then all of a sudden those grid lines spread out and then all of a sudden they get close, close, close again. What that's representing is it's going up like this. And then all of a sudden those spread out lines go like this and then they go high again. That's how you find benches. So look for, you know, following a ridge up. Like I said, you have horseshoe, horseshoe, horseshoe that's really close, then all of a sudden those spread out apart and then they get tight again. So if you're reading topo maps or um, if you're looking at topo online, look at those grid lines, they will spread out, so. 
Okay, I don't think Go Hunt has an app only website. Correct, it's a website only. Other than biologist, uh, who else do you reach out to before a hunt in a new area? Uh, really, I am going to, I mean, go from the fishing game and then talk to biologists. The only problem with reaching out to some, some people, you're going to have, you're going to run into a couple of different people because we see it on forums all the time where people are like, hey, I'm heading to such and such, not looking for your honey hole, but, you know, point me in the right direction would be uh, would be great. Um, you're going to have some people that are willing to help, other people that are just going to give you bogus crap information and other people that are going to tell you, you know what, go figure it out yourself. We had to. That's why I trust more the fish and wildlife websites, the fish and game websites and talking to a biologist after I've done a little bit of homework myself on go hunt or this or that, that I have that information. So, uh, junior, let him fly. What is a good elk called diaphragm to start with? So first off, you need to figure out what size frame works best for you. Narrow, medium, or wide. Um, so I'm going to recommend the black amp from Phelps game calls which is your narrow, your mellow yellow from Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, which is your medium, and then the Rip It Red from Native by Carlton, which is your wide. With those three there, you'll be able to figure out the frame size that fits your mouth the best. Once you have that frame size figured out, those are also really good reads to start with as a beginner because they're a single light latex that have a light stretch that doesn't take a ton of pressure, tongue pressure or air pressure to operate. So that way you can um, have good success and jump on those a little bit quicker. So uh, Big Skinny, I picked up the two calls you recommended. Good. So... Uh, the discount code for HotSense is ECA710. That will get you 25% off. Lost sound on Facebook for some reason. I don't know. And, and, and really, um, with the problems I had with YouTube tonight, we may be switching over to the new platform for these live streams a lot sooner. So, And in fact, maybe next week. I will announce. So, uh, Junior, let him fly. Awesome. Thank you, brother. You are very welcome. So, uh, to two. Love Go Hunt on X. Uh, Uno app for setting your pins and making a sight tape. So, that's for shooting. Uh, base layer maps is also good. Just got my outdoor vital zero degree Vista bag in the mail today. I'm liking it. Yeah, Jim, the thing you're going to find about that bag, I actually took it up this weekend. Um, I didn't even get in the bag. I put my feet in the bag. That was about it. That bag is hot. So, okay. Novice elk hunter here. When it comes down to hunting heavily pressured area, how do your tactics change? Unit I'm in after, or unit I'm in, you know, gets hit hard but I'm planning on being there first. Any tips? So, okay, if you're in a heavily pressured area, yeah, you're going to have a lot of popularity for certain trailheads. Um, you know, the way we've always been to it, we're, we're willing to get up a little bit earlier so that we can be the first one at that trailhead. 
But the only thing is, is, you know, you run the risk of some people that are like, my family's hunted here for 30 years. I don't give a crap. I'm coming behind you. You're going to deal with that. But my tactics don't change. Um, not much at all. The only thing is, is if we get to that trailhead and somebody's there, great, we're going to move on. We always have plan B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z. We always have backup plans because we know we're hunting public land. The hard part I think so many people have is they only have one narrow, this is where we're hunting. This is the one spot. And they hunt that same spot every single day through the whole entire season. Well, what happens when a bunch of other people show up to hunt that spot? Well, we're all going to climb and clamor and get all over each other, just like a bunch of ants on the top of an anthill. It doesn't do anybody good. That's why having backup plans is always a good idea. And, you know, sometimes it may be that if you don't have a backup plan, just go pick an area, go hunt it. Who knows what you might find in there? You might find a little tiny pocket. In fact, we did that one time. We were actually basically, we're like, hey, this, this kind of goes back to the question earlier about what do you do when you want to recharge? Remember those times where we've sat there and we've had that morning camp day, we've slept in and there's been times where it's been like, hey, you know what, let's just let's just go look for a new spot. Let's just get in the truck. Let's just go drive. If something looks interesting, we'll go walk it, hunt it this evening or whatever. And we actually ended up finding a couple of areas that. Like, like I've said before, we're only two, 300 yards off the road and we heard truck after truck after truck just drive right by. And there was multiple bulls in there. It was crazy. So, but always have a backup plan. So what about printed maps? Can you speak on this as well? Yeah, printed maps. The one I really like is from Rugged Maps because it has a lot of great detail in it. It has a lot of old road systems, but the also too, that thing is strong enough that if I need to make a little shelter when I'm out there, I have that ability. Or if I need to throw that on the ground to throw meat on it, I certainly can, and then I just take the hose and hose it off or dunk it in a creek. So Rugged Maps is the printed maps that I use. So guess what, guys? We are a minute and 20 seconds until Instagram shuts off. So we have come to the end of another session. So still a ton of questions that I have not gotten through. I will keep these, write them down. We have some good ones to jump into next week. So... All right, guys, as always, I appreciate all of you guys tuning in. Thank you so much for the interaction tonight. This has been absolutely great interaction and great questions. As always, guys, keep calling, keep practicing. Most importantly, though, have fun. Hopefully, you were able to find some tidbits tonight that will be, you know, help you out with maybe some questions that you had. And we will see all of you guys next week on the next episode of Wapiti Wednesday Q&A brought to you by Elk Calling Academy. And don't forget this weekend in Etna, Wyoming and Archery Unlimited, Wayne Carlton and I will be tag teaming to do a two-day elk seminar where you're going to get a lot of knowledge uh, from Wayne. I'm just there to kind of add comedic value. But anyways, have a great night, everybody. We'll see you next week. Follow and subscribe to Elk Calling Academy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon for tips, tactics, gear reviews, and live Q&A, helping you to success faster. Thank you for listening. 
Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.